Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. We have a special guest today, and so we'll get him right up here in a minute, but i got a few announcements to make before I do. The first one is that I have a uh, bandana on, which was sent by uh, online watcher Mike Provident, and I want to thank him very much. And uh, secondly, uh, we've had a really busy week as far as uh, Israel uh, attacked Syria, Iranians were killed, and the world is going into a very difficult place right now. And it's all prophesied in the Bible. If you're not sure of that, the Bible, Ezekiel chapter 38 through, I'm sorry, 36 through 39, actually. But uh, it speaks of the return of Israel to the land. It speaks of uh, what will happen there. And eventually a great war is coming. And we're seeing the signs of that right now. Also, uh, we have our president looks like he may be moving the embassy to Jerusalem in the week ahead. Or another thing that I've heard is that it's possible that he may designate Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and leave the embassy in Tel Aviv. Um, Either way, this is already U.S. law. It's already on the books. Congress passes eons ago and uh, several times a year. Every president since it was passed has signed a waiver to not implement the law. And so what he is doing is not anything that is not already set in stone. He's doing what he said he would do when he campaigned, that he made a promise he would do this. And so it looks like it's going to happen. And uh, so we want to keep our president in prayer. And we want to also keep all of our diplomatic missions in prayer over the uh, next week, because uh, if that happens, then, of course, there's going to be people that want to cause them trouble. And because uh, we're changing our format today, I want to make absolutely sure that everybody knows that's watching the Prophecy Update today that I will, at the end of this update, put the link to the Sergio and Rhoda travel video. It will be uh, right after Usama speaks and right down at the bottom corner I usually put it. And so uh, please click on that. We watched it today. Was it good? It was absolutely wonderful. It had a big surprise at the end. And uh, I know that you will be blessed by it. And I say it week after week, uh, you should just watch it and give it a shot. They're not long. And every week somebody decides I'm going to do it instead of just sticking their head full of prophecy. And they email me and they say, it was so good. I binge watched every one of their travel videos. And it, they are outstanding. The, the filming quality again today was unbelievable. And two more things uh, before I actually turn the reins over to Usama would be to um, indicate that uh, we do have Usama Dak Dok speaking today. He's an Egyptian who uh, is an Egyptian Christian. He is the finest mind in Islam in the world today. You'll find no finer even among Islamic scholars. And the reason why is because he's coming at the book without presuppositions. He's coming at the book from the outside, and he's doing an honest evaluation of it. Unlike Christians, it'll take the Bible, and they'll, they'll apply their life to it instead of applying it to their lives, etc. Um, we uh, have a tendency to come to our own religious texts with presuppositions, and it's something he didn't do. He's translated the Quran. You can buy it online. He's an outstanding speaker. I know that you're going to be blessed by it. And so uh, please just enjoy this prophecy update immensely. And a couple more things. One, if you have a cell phone on, please turn it off so that it doesn't interrupt him while he is speaking. And also, for the people that are here, this guy doesn't live off of his own goodness. So because he's here, I would ask that you would 
make sure to remember to give something to him either today or set it aside for him next week and put a name on it. If you have something for him today, please give it to Jim and he will take care of it. And then from there, he and uh, Jay can count it up or uh, Vic, whoever does the counting of the money, and they can give it to him afterward. But please keep that in mind is that this isn't out of the goodness of his heart. This is his ministry and this is how he lives. So we want to thank both him and his wife, Vicki, for coming out here. And then finally, I have one more thing to say, is that he is going to be speaking on Islam. Well, this is a church, and we speak about Jesus. And we've got people that are visiting here that have not attended this church, and I don't know if they know Jesus or not. So before we uh, talk about Islam, we're going to talk about why Christ came. Uh, The reason why he came is because uh, there's a problem with man. The problem is called sin. It infects us. It happened at the beginning when God created man. Man freely chose to rebel against God. Sin entered the world, and through sin came death. And we all die because of sin. The wages of sin is death. Okay? And there's no way for us to correct that. If you think you're good enough to stand before God and say, I did this or that to please you, it ain't going to work. All right? We already have sin in us. It's transferred from every father to every child in humanity. That's from our first father. It transmits down. And that's why God gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. It was a picture of cutting the sin nature because it travels from father uh, to child. Every female and every male has a father. Okay? It's a picture of cutting that sin nature. Well, God in his gracious and loving mercy stepped out of the eternal realm and he united with human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And he cut the sin nature because he came of a woman, but not of a man. He has no earthly father. No sin was transmitted. Okay, but he put a requirement on himself that we do not have on us today. He was born under the law of Israel and he had to fulfill that law perfectly. He was qualified to take care of the sin problem by being born without sin. But was he capable? He had to fulfill that law, all 613 precepts under that law perfectly without violating one. That's what the uh, gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John show us is him fulfilling the law on our behalf. And then he gave up his life in exchange for our sins. It says in the Bible that it is a gift of God. It is by grace you are saved through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you are trying to please God on your own works, you have an infinite climb to go and you will never get there. It will never happen forever. And the problem is that we have this in nature. And if we don't get that corrected before we die, it remains with us forever. And there's one place that the Bible says the souls of humanity will go that are not redeemed of the Lord. And that is to what's called the lake of fire. I didn't write the book, but I'm not going to compromise on it. That's what it says, and that's what will happen. You will be eternally separated from your heavenly Father. But Christ offers you the gift of his substitution. I died in your place. I have paid the debt. And all you need to do is one simple thing. Believe. I believe that Christ Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Christ Jesus was buried and that he rose again. And why do you have to believe that he rose again? It's because the wages of sin is death. If he had sin in his life, he would not have come out of the grave. But he proved that he is the God-man and that he did defeat the work of the devil by coming out of the grave. And that's what he asks us to believe. Death, burial, and resurrection. And if you believe that, you will be saved. All right? That is the gospel message, and there's nothing you can add to it. Not one work, not one thing that you do. All right? So having... It's free. That's right. But don't say it's a free gift because that's a redundancy, and I don't like redundancies. It's either free or it's a gift or it's 
a free gift? Anyway, so uh, there you go. I'd like to now welcome my brother, Usama Dokdok, up, and uh, he will uh, talk to us about something completely different than the Christian message, and uh, he'll do a wonderful job of it, I know. So come on up here, brother, give me a hug, and uh, then you can get started. Can't go without hugging the bushy-bearded guy. <laughs> all right, you too. Right, good morning. Good morning to all of you. It is my joy to come back again. I remember last time when I came here, I did not have my computer. I did not have the projector. I didn't have the wire. And then I called Vicky, and she came all the way from Venice, and she brought all the stuff she I need to have. And it was the wrong stuff. So anyway, <laughs> so we could not do a presentation. So this is our first time here, actually, we'll do a full presentation. As you see on the screen, the Straight Way of Grace Ministry, that's the name for our ministry. Been traveling now all over this country just one year before September 11, when I left home to go to seminary at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, the name of our ministry, as you see, come from two verses. The first verse is the Quran, chapter 1, verse 5. As Muslims pray to their Allah, their God, not our God, and they ask him to guide them to the straight way. We're going to hear the answer of uh, this prayer, not today, but in our next broadcast or our next uh, uh, program when we come back to cover the rest of our study. The answer, actually, uh, for the prayer which Muslims lift all over the world, it is Jesus himself. They're asking the straight way. Jesus is that way. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one no one, you can put your name, no one, you can put your church denomination or your cult name or whatever belief you have. No one can get to heaven but through Jesus Christ and uh, because he is the one, as Brother Charlie said, who paid for our sin. If you are a Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, you don't need that way. But since there is no perfect, not even one, therefore we need that way who is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> This is a picture of my beloved wife, Vicky, and this is our son, Caleb. And uh, I've been uh, making it as a habit for the last few months, always to ask people to be praying for our son, Caleb, who is 20 years old. And sadly, he is turning away from God. He's turning away from us. So he's not living right. Right now, he's actually in a bad trouble. So you keep him in your prayer. And I mean it, especially for those who are watching us online. And I know there are hundreds of you, or maybe thousands of you will be watching this video. Please keep uh, keep Caleb in your prayer as the Lord will bring him back home. Uh, Vic and I have been married now for 25 years, actually 26 years, I'm sorry. This Christmas will start our 27th. And as I always say, these are the best 27 years of her life. <laughs> The uh, presentation I'm going to be sharing with you today and in our next broadcast. So if you uh, will be patient, wait until next time to hear the rest of it. It's not all today. It is by the title, Revealing the Truth About Sharia, Islamic Law. And we'll start with this commercial. This troubled world is experiencing a clash of cultures and an ideological war that dates back over 1,400 years. The loyal followers of a violent and intolerant religion are once again on the march, seeking to bring the globe under the domination of Islam. The nations that have fallen prey to this ungodly faith are quite easy to recognize. Freedoms and rights enjoyed by most of us in the West are typically denied in Muslim countries. Women and homosexuals are oppressed or killed. Other faiths are banned or discriminated against. Certain foods are prohibited and penalties for even simple crimes are cruel and severe. This way of regulating every aspect of life and government is simply known as Sharia. 
Muslims claim that Sharia, or Islamic law, and the freedoms and rights we enjoy from the U.S. Constitution are perfectly compatible. But is this true? Can Sharia and the U.S. Constitution coexist in America? And uh, this is a question which I believe not only us or those who watch us online need to know the answer for, but I believe the Muslims need to know the answer for. The Americans, all those who live in the West, need to hear the answer for this question. Because if we can answer this question right and fit it perfectly with the teachings of Sharia, then we'll understand that it's illegal, it is unconstitutional for Muslims to live within the borders of the United States of America. This is not a small matter. That's why Muslims will do everything they can to say that I teach hate. Simply because I read the words of Allah in the Quran. And I literally read the saying of Muhammad in the Hadith, which is Sharia. We have no clue what Sharia is in America. And we listen to these Muslims, who many of them are the best deceivers. They are actually proven to me that the Quran is false. Because Allah in the Quran said, 345, I believe, the verse that Allah said, He is the best deceiver. But I see today there are more of the Muslims, those who are in charge of the propaganda da'wah, inviting the American to Islam, are actually greater deceiver than Allah Himself, whom I believe to be Satan. Well, we're going to. Move on with our study to ask a simple question, which is down. <laughs> no, down. All right. What is Sharia? I, I believe the American people have been talking about Sharia now for quite some time. And every time I hear, as you're going to see in some of the video we're going to be playing for you today, every time I hear somebody in America use, uh, uh, literally pronounce the word Sharia out of his lips, he always or she always add another word to it. You know what is the word come after Sharia? That is a great evidence. When we say Sharia law, that is a great evidence that we're so ignorant about the topic. We have no clue what we're saying. Why? Because Sharia is the word law. And when we say Sharia law, we're saying law law. And that's what I know for sure that the American people are living in the law law land. They have no idea. They have no idea what are we talking about. So, I'm going to play for you a video. I'm going to play for you a video which comes from North Dakota. That is one of the most liberal churches you can ever imagine. And these are the churches who actually invented the propaganda of Muslim refugees. I have no idea who adds the word refugees to the word Muslims. And for what reasons he made them refugees. Except it is simply an excuse to bring Muslims to America. And Obama was so smart in his eight years, he will not even do anything about bringing Muslims to America himself. But he used our tax money to fund these liberal churches to bring Muslims to America. And they add the title refugees, which make it legally right. It's a good thing to do because we're a country of refugees, uh, of immigrants, and now we have bring more refugees because we are really help them out. These churches used to make between $1,000 to $5,000 for every Muslim they resettle in America. Depends where, where he or she coming from and how many they come in the family. And by the way, these Christian, liberal Christian churches who bring Muslims to America as refugees, they will tell you, we're doing this because we love them, because Jesus uh, commanded us to go to the end of the world and preach the gospel. But guess what? 
They're in their contract with our government. They will not be able to share the truth of the gospel with any Muslims whom they bring here and settle in different places like Minnesota and North Dakota and other places. So it is a win-win for Muslims. It's a lost loss for America because they just blaze this propaganda, the new, uh, 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 I call it propaganda again, of bringing Muslim refugees to America. If we want to bring refugees to America, there are literally plenty of millions of Muslims no, Christians who are persecuted by the Muslims in the Muslim world, we can bring to this country as refugees. If we really have a heart for bringing Muslim, uh, Christian refugees or any refugees in any way to this country. But in this interface meeting, they have this question answer session. And the question was asked by this lady here. And it will be answered by two of the Muslim men who were in the panel. So listen carefully to the question as we continue to listen to the answer. No, I did. Uh, go up, go up, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, a couple of our um, audience members wanted to hear more about Sharia law, in particular to how it's regarded by Muslims living in the United States and its relation to North Dakota laws. Does anyone feel like speaking to that? Very good question. Uh, if anybody in this room found Sharia law book, please bring it to me. My wife I really want to see this book. Where is this Sharia law book? In Islam, we have Islamic rules, Islamic laws that every Muslim follows. Uh, some do not. Some follow some of it. But uh, there is nothing in Sharia law's book. That there is a written book, and we as Muslims uh, go and. Uh, wants to apply that book to our daily life in North Dakota or anywhere we live. Our scholars, the, Islamic, uh, the, the school of thought that I myself follow in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Islam tells me that I have to follow the rules of the country that I live in. That's it. So the question was, the, she want to know, a couple guys ask, uh, is what is the relationship between Sharia law and uh, the North Dakota law? Yep, we're going to learn about that actually more in our next session. But he was so smart to pick up her false question and turn the table around and to say, there is no Sharia law book. If you can find Sharia law book, please bring it to me. And everybody laughed. Ha, ha, ha. It was funny. And guess what? We do have the book we're going to show you today. But the book is not called Sharia Allah. It's not called Allah. Like I, I challenge you right now. You're sitting in church and many of you have Bible. I challenge you right now to bring me Holy, Holy, Holy Bible. Or Holy Bible, Bible. Or Holy Bible, Holy Bible. Do you have one? That there's not one exists in planet Earth. Why? Because there is no such a thing as Holy, Holy Bible or Holy Bible, Holy Bible. It's called the Holy Bible. Then he said, they have some laws. They have some rules. Some follow, some do not. Wait a minute. They don't have Sharia law book, but they have some laws. Hmm. I think he may be asking himself, but needs to keep going. And he said, in his school of thoughts, and by the way, there are four in Islam, it teach him, the school of thoughts he's following in Islam, that he must obey and live by the law of the land he live in. He live in America, North Dakota, and then he live with the American constitution. I challenge that Muslim man or any Muslim in planet Earth. As a matter of fact, I'll give the challenge to Allah and Jibreel and Muhammad to show me where in one of these four school of thoughts, the Islamic school of thought 
where it says they follow the laws of the land they live in. It's a lie. All the Skofsa said they must live by Sharia, as we're going to see in our study. But that's all what he said. I want to go to talk a little bit about Sharia equal law, and I'm, I think from now on I'll be able to control it from here. Sharia is equal law, not Sharia law. Therefore, we have to use the word Islamic law or Sharia. And I always say that since we don't speak Arabic in this country, and I hope and I pray that we will never speak Arabic in this country, keep it English. If people cannot learn English, maybe they need to go back to where they come from to speak whatever language they come from. I want to get out of topic. Let's stay here anyway. So well, let's speak. Let's speak English. Well, it's called Islamic law. All right. Now, I want to learn today a little bit about the term Sharia. What the word Sharia actually means? Okay. The term Sharia is the sacred law of Islam. It is used to refer both the Islamic system of law and the totality of the Islamic way of life. That's what Sharia is all about. And if a Muslim in America or anywhere in the do not believe. This is, uh, this is Sharia, then they are, I don't know, they are in a coma or they are literally professional deceiver. So, let's move on. Where Sharia comes from? To understand the reality of Sharia. It comes from a book, it's called the Quran. When you open the Quran, Allah's word, guess what? Allah said in the Quran, do this and don't do that. And Allah said, if you do this, here is the word, and if you don't do it, here is the punishment. So that's the first source of Sharia. Second source is the hadith, the saying of Muhammad. When you, learn, when you literally listen, we're going to give you many examples of that by God's will today in next session. We will see that Muhammad said, do this and don't do that. And if you do it, here is a reward. And if you don't do it, here is a punishment. That is the source of Sharia. Now, hadith contain two important facts, two, two important things. Number one. The word of Muhammad, the saying of Muhammad, that's what the word hadith is. The second thing we hear is the word sunnah, the way how Muhammad lived. So I can pick up from the true understanding of Sharia, the Islamic law, of what Muhammad taught or what Muhammad used to do. I don't have to teach you to kill a Jew by saying kill a Jew. I simply bring a Jew in front of you and cut his head off and now we know that's Sharia. I don't have to teach you to hate the Christian. I'll just see you, bring a Christian guy, beat him physically, and if Muhammad did this, that's the way Muslim lives. So Muslim live by the saying of Muhammad and how Muhammad lived his life, which is Sunnah. Quran plus Hadith make up Sharia. Now, Mr. Nabil, on the other hand, is going to add a little bit more because people got nervous now in the meeting, and he want to relax them a little bit by telling them a little bit more lies about Sharia. So he said, but for the certain things that human beings need guidance, there are some rules, and they are so flexible, they can, you know, use to uh, apply to any, to any place at any time. Because things change during, during you know, from ancient times until now. Yeah. So relax, guys. Don't get alarmed here. It's, it's, it's a simple rules. It is flexible because things change. You see, in Muhammad days, they used to ride camels. Camels roughly go around between 14 to 17 miles an hour because that's depends how strong the camel. But now we have cars. The cars go 117. Actually, some cars go 217 miles an hour. Therefore, this, this rules of Sharia is flexible. 
Is this true? Let's hear the answer. Let's, let's hear the answer for this propaganda. It says about Sharia by Muslims, not by me, not by some Jew or some Christian, by Muslims. Sharia cannot be improved, reformed, or changed because it is based on the Quran and Sunnah, which Muslims believe is perfect, eternal, universal, and complete. You cannot change Sharia. It is not flexible. It's actually hard. If you try to bend it, you break it. You see, lots of people in America, sadly liberals, not Christians, will tell you that, well, Christianity has been reformed, therefore we can reform Islam. We, we just, I mean, don't forget, Christian used to do bad things. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We never reformed Christianity. You cannot reform Christianity. We reformed the church 500 years ago, and before that, for a good couple of years, many men were trying hard to reform the Catholic church after the, the first 200 dark years. By the time Martin Luther came, 400 years of the dark ages of the church, then what we did in this reformation, we went back to the scripture. As a matter of fact, the famous words of Martin Luther was what? Solo scripto, scripture alone. So the reformation of Christianity, no, the reformation of the church, was to go back to the scripture. But on the other hand, the liberals... And the liberals among the Christian were trying to convince us in America that we can reform Islam. What are you going to do? Ignore the Quran? Pretend these verses is not written there? Pretend Sharia is not what it is? No. It does not work that way. You cannot reform Islam because Islam is Islam. You cannot reform Sharia because Sharia is Islam. Let's go on. Another statement here. Sharia cannot be amended to conform to changing human values and standards. Rather, it is the absolute norm to which all human values and conduct must conform. If you are a heavy foot driver, and you like to add 20, 30 miles over the speed limit, and the cops stop you to give you a ticket, you cannot tell the cop, well, officer, can we just buy a can of black and white and change the numbers from 25 to 65? Or from 70 to 110? You can't do that. The law is written for us to follow, not for us to change the law, depending how fast we'd like to drive on the road. So Sharia is not to be changed, but it is to change you to live by it. That's exactly the truth about Sharia. I want to talk a little bit about democracy and Sharia. See, do they fit together? Any system of man-made law is considered illicit under Islamic law. For whose adherence Allah already has provided the only law permitted. Sharia, Islam, and Western-style democracy can never coexist in harmony. Well, let me take it back. They coexist in the first 20, 30 years when Muslims are in the minority. As a matter of fact, if you go to, to Europe, about 20, 30 years ago, you will see plenty of Muslims all over Europe who will hold the sign, we love democracy, we love freedom. But... Today, I can take you to the same communities where they used to have three, two, three percent Muslim, and now they have the 12, 13, 14 percent Muslims, and they have a better science, and the better science says what? Big science, democracy go to hell, and freedom go to hell. I'm not making this up. These signs do exist all over Europe, and Muslims carry them on Fridays to celebrate their victory over taking over Europe. 
And if you think that some Muslims in America today who bragging about they love freedom, they like democracy, and as we're going to see in our study, these people will speak out louder in the next 20 years or so, or even less than 20 years, and they will say the same thing. But then it will be too late for people who live in planet Earth. Not in America, but in planet Earth. Now he is quoting here, this comes from the Reliance of the Traveler, we're going to talk a little bit about this book later, and he's quoting Quran chapter 5 and verse 47. And I'm amazed that Muslims will always tell me when I quote the verses of the Quran that I'm taking these verses out of context or I misunderstand these verses. But that gentleman who wrote these in, his, in the Sharia books he have, he's actually taken a verse, is written about the gospel and he's interpreted to be a book, a chapter or a, a verse written about the Quran. So he is, have to be so naive, he does not know what he's talking about, and I don't think so, or he's a, a, the one of the most deceiver among the Muslims, that they will find a verse in the Quran to force a Christian to live by the Quran, not by the Bible. So, listen to the, the Quran 5.47. Allah said, And that the people of the gospel judge by what Allah has sent down in it, and whoever does not judge by what Allah has sent down, so those are the transgressors. What is to judge but what Allah has sent down in it? What is it? According to the Quran, it is the gospel. But according to these people who make this book of Sharia for the West, they actually change it to be the Quran. But if you read, if you read the found verse 548, you see that Allah is telling Muhammad, and to you, now that's a new assumption, we have sent the Quran. So 547 is a Bible. As a matter of fact, 546, it is the Old Testament, the Torah. 547, it is the Gospel. 548 is the Quran. But they could not find a verse to force a Christian to live by the Quran by simply lying and make it in that verse 547 to be the Quran. No, I'm sorry. This is the Gospel. That verse we used to prove to our dear Muslim friends that the Bible was perfect until at least 630 years after Christ when Muhammad wrote to the Christian that they must live by the gospel. And if you read 548, you see that Allah said that the Quran came to protect and to guard the Bible, which means there's nothing wrong with the Bible even to today until Christ come back. As Allah says in the Quran, none can change his words. If the Bible used to be good, when it was written originally, and Allah in the Quran said, no one can change Allah's words, that means we have to believe that the Bible is perfect until the end of life on earth. Now, let's move on to talk about the sovereignty. The sovereignty in Islam. The sovereignty of Allah, the sovereignty of Sharia. Sovereignty in Islam is the prerogative of Almighty Allah alone. He is the absolute arbiter of values, and it is His will that determines good and evil, right and wrong. You have no word for it. You have no say for it. It is Allah and Allah alone. He is sovereign. If He said, I want you to live by the Sharia, you have to live by the Sharia. If not, He will take His people, the good Muslim, to get rid of us, to force the rest of those who will submit later to live and, and live by Sharia. Because Wrong and right was already decided by Allah in the Quran and in the saying of Muhammad, which is Sharia. What else we need to know about Sharia? Sharia guides all aspects of Muslim life, politics, daily routines, foods, clothing, sports, family and religion obligations, financial dealings, punishments, military, and importantly, how to deal with non-Muslims, infidels. That's you and I. 
When I say Sharia cover all aspects of Muslim life, I mean all aspects of Muslim's life. There is nothing in life unless it's already covered by Sharia. So, um, before a man make love to his wife to have a baby, they have a prayer. He prays that Allah will give him a good seat. When that baby grow up and get old and die, and we bury him in the earth, and we cover him with dirt, after we do that, there's another prayer. It's called Salat al-Mawta. The prayer after death. And between the first prayer and the last prayer, every second of every action, of every move, of every word, that seed which grew to be a boy, to grow up to be a man, is covered by Sharia. When... Um, I can give literally a good uh, 2,000 example, which takes a good couple of weeks to cover, to talk about these. But I don't have time for that. But I'll give you just a couple of examples here. For example, if, uh, if you're going to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom with your left foot, not with your right foot. Why? Because that's Sharia. Okay? Uh, when you clean yourself, you clean yourself after you use the bathroom with your left hand, not with your right hand. Why? Because it's covered by Sharia. It's, it's nonsense. Why? Because I always tell my Muslim friends, uh, 1,400 years ago, there was no bathrooms. So how Muhammad was, used to go to the bathroom with his left foot? And if you clean yourself with your left hand, how you clean your left hand afterwards? You clean it with your right hand. Hmm. Makes sense. So we have to really use our left hand. Now, uh, if you're going to pray, there is a wudu. You can take a shower and you're clean, okay, your head, from here to wudu. But you have to do the wudu. What is the wudu? You run the water, you, you, you clean your face, you clean your ears, you, you, you clean your hand from the tip of your hand to the elbow, and you start with the left to the right, your foot from the knee down, left to right. You have to do it exactly. It's not just taking a shower with the best shampoo you got. No, you have to do it with water, no shampoo, okay? No any chemical, just water. And you have to do this thing here. Now we are not going to pray, you're going to pray towards Mecca. Well, I can imagine if you are in Saudi Arabia, you can pray towards Mecca. But what happens if you are, uh, say, in Florida? How in the world can you pray towards Mecca? Well, you just go and look to the east. Excuse me. When I stand up anywhere in Florida, and I face the east, you know where I am praying towards? I believe some other planet outside in the air. Because Muhammad taught the Muslims, and Muslims believe that the earth is flat. If the earth is flat, you can pray towards Mecca. There's no problem. But if the earth is sphere, and right now here is Mecca, imagine with me, and here is Florida, and I'm praying towards the east. You know what I'm praying to? Some other planet have nothing to do with Mecca. Trust me, you cannot get to Mecca from here unless you have the right angle towards the earth, towards Mecca. But let's uh, cut to the, make the long story short. And as I'm standing praying, Allahu Akbar, and here's Mecca. And I bend down, and I kneel, and I stand up, and Allah, but I'm going to go all the way down the ground. Ah, stop! Why stop? Because the person who is praying, he or she, passed gas. What should I say about passing gas? They said a lot. I'm just giving you an example. Not, I'm telling you, I can talk about this for the next two weeks. Now, did it make sound? No, it did not make sound, brother Yusama. Then you're good, you're good, okay? Did it have a smell? Yeah, it did have a smell. Now, I'm sorry. You have to go back to the bathroom, wash again, so you can pray. Sharia cover all aspects of Muslim life, even when a Muslim passes gas while he or she is praying. And it is so complicated. That's why you get so many uh, Muslim scholars who do fatawi, fatwa, fatwa, decree. Oh, is this could this be, this could be, this, this, and Allah alam, and Allah knows best. Let's move on with our study. 
Traditional Muslims who understand the Quran and the Hadith believe that Sharia, Islamic law, expresses the highest and best goals for all societies on earth. It is the law of Allah and bound to be the best of all. It is for your own good. It is the best thing for the world to live by. You see, the Muslim who want to force Sharia, and they will force Sharia on Americans in the future, and the whole earth, they believe if we live by that one law, no different law of different country, man-made law, then we have peace in the world and everything will be great. Hmm. It did not work in any Muslim country where they live in by Sharia. Why do you think it's going to work in the world? It's the best for you. Remember when your children were doing the wrong things and tried to spank them and you spank them and it hurt you more than hurt them because you really want them to live right because you want the best for them because that's really what you believe? That's exactly how Muslims believe about Sharia. If they force Sharia on the people of planet Earth, it will be best for everyone. That's why they want to have Sharia. Now, I'm going to share with you a couple of videos. One in, uh, from Minnesota, and the other one is uh, from New York. As a matter of fact, as I always say, if I play 50 videos from 50, the 50 states of the United States of America, you will hear the same answer. And if you uh, want to bet me on that, pick me a Muslim place in Florida, and I will ask the same two questions, and you will be shocked to hear the same answers. The first question is, what do you like to, what do you prefer to live by? Sharia law, I love this word, Sharia law, law law, or by the American Constitution. The second question is, where do you like to live? Do you like to live here in America, or you have another favorite place to live in? So, here's the first video from Minnesota. Uh, if you're living in the U.S., would you prefer to live under U.S. law or Sharia law? Well, you'd think the answer was pretty obvious, but that's not what one filmmaker discovered on the streets of Minnesota. feel more comfortable living under... American law, or do you feel more comfortable living under uh, Sharia law? Uh, Sharia law. I'm a Muslim, I prefer Sharia law. You prefer uh, Sharia law over American law? Of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. Would you prefer to live in America or prefer to live in Somalia? For me, I think it's Somalia. Would you rather live in America or live in Somalia? I would rather live in Somalia. You prefer to live in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. The vast majority of young people who I asked would rather live in Somalia or in Saudi Arabia as opposed to the United States, it blew me away. So there's something about this pool of immigrants that has become very, very problematic <coughs> for our country and for Western countries in general. You know, it's so amazing for this young child who said he'd, he'd rather to live in Saudi Arabia. I challenge him and his parents to make a trip to Saudi Arabia to move to Saudi Arabia, to immigrate to Saudi Arabia. I'm amazed that Saudi Arabia and my home country, Egypt, will not host one Muslim family as a refugee. Not one Muslim family. But here we are in America, even though we're 21 trillion in the whole, we're in debt to our eyeballs, as they always say, and we still bring Muslims to America as refugees. And by the way, when they come to America as refugees, they don't work like the rest of us. They automatically go to this special program where they have the welfare and the health fair and the food fair and the house fair and every fair you can have for them. They actually, and, and by the way, they tell you it's only for four years or six years. Yep. How about 40, 60 years? How about for the rest of the history of America? I challenge those who tell me four, six years. You guys don't understand. 
You see this in the warfare among Americans, white and black. Fourth and fifth family are living in the same community because they move from their mama's home to their own apartment next door. And that's the same with Muslims who come into America as refugees. If this will not drain the economy of America, I don't know what else will drain our economy. But So these people from Minnesota, actually they came from Somalia, live in Minnesota, prefer Sharia law over our constitution simply because they're Muslims. Let's move on to the next video. If you don't mind, we're going to move on to New York. Let's see, maybe the New Yorker Muslims have different opinions than those who live in Minnesota. Well, we decided to launch a special Hannity investigation to find out if American Muslims think that Sharia law should supersede the U.S. Constitution. Earlier today, we sent out Fox News contributor David Webb to an Islamic cultural center in New York City. Now watch this closely. Your thoughts, should Sharia law supersede the U.S. Constitution? No, but uh, I, I think the Sharia law is made by, uh, by God, by Allah. And the Constitution is made by people. So it's not the same. Do you believe that Sharia law should be above the U.S. Constitution? Yes. yes. Should any religious law supersede the U.S. Constitution at any time? Any denomination? Um, maybe in the future. Should Sharia law be over the U.S. Constitution? Yes. The U.S. Constitution, which is made by people, and the Sharia law is made by Allah. So that is all the way above. That has to be definitely in the land, not for the America, for the whole world, would be above. So that should be above the U.S. Constitution? Yes. Definitely. Definitely. That's what Muslims believe, not in Minnesota and New York, but I say again, in planet Earth. And we're going to find out a little bit later. Sharia, Islamic law, should be the law of the land for people who live in Earth. Now, let's see why we have a problem. Even in Egypt, uh, three years ago, when Muslim Brotherhood took over Egypt with the help of Barack Hussein Obama, what were their goal? What they were trying to accomplish? Because of this ardent belief, devout and fundamental Muslims all over the world are in constant struggle, jihad, with their ruling governments to establish Islamic Sharia as the country's only rule by replacing modern secular democracy, man-made laws, with Sharia. That is, so that is the real reason. Why is the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, in one year, tried to destroy my country with the help of Obama? They actually moved... All the judges, the conservative, or what we call the Egyptian judges, the one who uh, live by the French laws, which we have in Egypt, after all, they study laws in our schools in Egypt, it's the French laws, and it's mixed between uh, French laws and uh, Islamic law, if there's too much controversy, they just try to stay aside from it, so they want to get rid of all that, and that Mohammed Morsi was able to get rid of all the judges, get rid of all the senators and the congressmen, he literally changed Egypt, not in a democracy way, but in dictatorship. Way like uh, like he is a Saddam Hussein or Muammar Qazab. That's how they do it in other countries, and that's what they try to do in Egypt. Why? Because they don't want anything to do with modern society's laws. They want to have all all the way Sharia. And because they did that in a hurry way, in a rush way, that's why many of the Muslims joined us, Christian Egypt, and we got the forty-six or forty-five million to stand up in the streets, and we ended. The dream of the Muslim Brotherhood, after 100 years, they were waiting for that day, and they took Egypt for one year, and we ended the dream by literally locking them in prisons, or many of them were killed by our military. And thank God that God 
answer the Christians' prayers of Egypt. And that's not my own word. That's actually the Muslim words in Egypt. They said, what happened in Egypt? It was the answer of Allah to the Christians' prayer. Let's move on. Each and every law in the Sharia can be traced back to the Quran and Sunnah. Once a person buys into the Quran and the Sunnah, the Sharia is just a step away. They did some study in Europe where they traveled to speak to the ministers of Christianity in Europe. I'm talking about the Baptist minister, Presbyterian minister, Catholic priest, and this, this, and this, and that. And they were asking a very simple question. Do you believe the Bible is a perfect word of God? Guess what's the answer? 95% of ministers, those who call ministers, whatever titles he gives himself in Europe, do not believe that the Bible is a perfect word of God. Only 5%, they actually believe that the Bible is the perfect word of God. Now, let's do the same question to the Muslims in planet Earth. And we ask them, do you believe that the Quran is a perfect word of Allah? Guess what the answer? 100%. As a matter of fact, if a Muslim in anywhere in planet Earth say that the Quran is not the perfect word of Allah, he or she are no longer existed. They, they, they will be killed. And that way, they, they will still, you always have a 100% number. <laughs> and if Muslims believe that the Quran is the perfect word of Allah, and Allah and the Quran said, do this and don't do that, and if Muslims believe in Allah to be the perfect word of Allah, and Allah in the Quran orders them in 11 verses to obey the words of Muhammad, the laws which given Muhammad, that means the conclusion is this. 100% of Muslim people in planet Earth love and they will support Sharia because that is the blood which runs in their veins. As a matter of fact, when he's going to see this in their creed, the creed they really say out loud proudly every day in their life, what they stand up, about what they believe about Sharia. But let's continue a little bit more about some of the people in America who will tell you we're not for Sharia. Or maybe like this guy in the video we saw in New York, maybe later. Maybe later. Listen. Muslims claim that they are to abide by the laws of the land. But if that is really the case, why are care leaders so upset when states vote or declare that they will not allow foreign rules of law? like Sharia, to coexist in their courts. Some liberal politicians are also advocating for Sharia. As a matter of fact, uh, the newspaper two weeks ago in Minnesota, they wrote about me a couple articles. And even though if you watch uh, what's coming after this, I give you some example of liberals who are for Sharia. And they said, Mr. Dagdok, anti-Christ, anti-Muslims, anti-Christ, I'm anti-Christ as a Muslim too. Anti-Muslim Dagdok uh, stated that some liberals uh, are for Sharia, but he never gave us any names. Maybe because you choose not to mention them because I already talked about it. Care, if you watch Fox News sometime maybe next week, and if some of the hosts of these uh, different uh, uh, programs on Fox will have the guts to ask Care about Sharia, the guys or the ladies of Care will tell you, Care, the Council on America-Islamic Relations, these are Muslim Brotherhood. 100%. We cover this in our presentation, uh, Infiltration of Islam to America, or in the other presentation, which is uh, uh, Revealing the Truth About ISIS, which I would love to come in the future and also present it to you. But uh, care will tell you, we do not want to have Sharia. If we want Sharia, we just go to Saudi Arabia. We're here in America because we love democracy and we love freedom, and that's what we need to uh, live by. 
And I said, you sure you don't want to have Sharia? Absolutely. Okay, let's shake hands. We shake hand, okay? I'm holding his or her hand, and we shake hand. I said, "Now, will you sign this paper here, which says we will never allow Sharia in the state of Florida?" You know what they do? Immediately, they move my hand. No, we're not going to do that. Wait a minute. He just said you don't want to have Sharia. He just said you love democracy, you love freedom, you love American laws, you love American constitution. Why not sign this piece of paper which says you vote with me to stop? Forever, Sharia had to be practiced in the city of Florida. They will say no. Why? Because their answer is actually not now. And we're going to find out later why they don't want to do it right now, but they would like to do it later. Now, I'll give you a good example from Oklahoma. That is in November 29, 2010. Huh. Seven years ago. And the people of Oklahoma voted, and I spoke in Oklahoma, I believe, after the vote, a couple of weeks, and I did two couple of meetings there, and they were nice, big meetings. And the people of Oklahoma were so excited, so happy, and they clapped hands when I mentioned the word Sharia, and I said, you guys think you did a great job two weeks ago, and they, yeah, yeah, clap hand. And I said to them, shame on you. Why is that, Brother Usama? We stopped Muslims from practicing Sharia in the state of Oklahoma. I said, let me say it again. Shame on you. Because only 70% of the people of Oklahoma said no for Sharia. And 30% said yes for Sharia. And you know how many Muslims live in Oklahoma? Less than one half percent. That means 29.5% of the Democrats, the liberals, voted with the Muslims for Sharia. That itself is a great evidence that Democrats in America have zero respect for our Constitution, have zero respect for our laws, and they would love to exchange America from a Christian Judeo country to a Muslim country. You know why? Because you worship the same Allah, Satan. That's a reason. That's a real reason. So, uh, 70% said no for Sharia. And guess what? Let me give you a good example that the liberals would love to destroy America. Guess what happened after the vote was over? A federal judge in Oklahoma on Monday barred the implementation of a ballot initiative passed by 70% of voters in Oklahoma that would have forbidden state courts from considering Sharia law in their decisions. Even though 70%, you know what? Why don't we just make it easy? Forget about American vote. Why we make vote? If one liberal judge who is appointed by Mr. Clinton can make decision for the, for, on the behalf of the entire state. And I love it in America when people correct me, Osama, this is not Egypt. You see here, we got three branches. The president is limited. How much he can, how much he, how much he cannot do. And he only served for four years. If we don't like him, we'll get rid of him. And the best he can do is eight years. Excuse me. Your presence upon judges, and these judges serve for life. That lady in her 50s or her 60s, she can live until she, 90, 100, and she can literally make more decisions like that decision for the destruction of the state of Oklahoma. And believe it or not, every time you got a liberal president, you got plenty of liberal judges all over this country. They will get rid of the old one or both new young one who have the same mentality, the same belief. Which means, in simple words, if you ever have a liberal president in this country, that will be the last time you have freedom in this country. Just think about it. 2020, 24, 28, 32, any of the next elections, you get yourself a liberal president, you can kiss your country goodbye. I love it how people now are so relaxed. 
Oh, we got Trump in the White House and we're going to close our small chapters and small meetings because we, we won. It's over. Yeah, it is over for you if you think it's over. The fight is actually greater today than it used to be two years ago. And it will be like that if you want to keep saving America. But that's the reality. The Council on America-Islamic Relations Care met with that liberal judge and say, actually, we're able to convince her that that vote is not right. Wait a minute. These are the same people who tell us on Fox News they don't want to have Sharia. Yes, indeed, now, but maybe later. Let me share with you some of the things which CARE have done in America to prove to you that they are doing a great job while you and I have no clue that these people even exist. For example... In June of 2011, a Bay Area Muslim woman sued Abercrombie and Fitch, claiming that the clothing retailer fired her when she refused to remove her religious headscarf while working at a San Mateo store. Hani Khan, age 20, sued after the Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission determined that the chain had wrongfully fired her. Settlement talks failed to resolve the dispute. Khan was fired in 2010 from Abercrombie's Hollister Company store in the Hillsdale Mall in San Mateo for refusing to remove her hijab or headscarf, according to the suit her attorneys filed in federal court in San Francisco. Who's involved in this case? The Council and America Islamic Relations. Care. She went to get the job, and she had makeup, and she fixed her hair beautifully, and she got the job, and she worked for, I don't know how many weeks, with this style, and then she decided to wear the hijab. I believe this is a planned games. And we saw it in many other business all over this country, and I wish I had time to spend an hour to give you other examples of the hijab alone. And then they sued, and then they make the millions of dollars, and that is a reality. Why is that? I saw it care. The Council of America Islamic Relation do not want to have Sharia. No, it is Sharia because remember, Sharia cover all aspects of Muslims' life, including their clothes, what they eat, what they drink, what they wear, where to do, what to do, what. To, uh, so here we go. The hijab was part of that. Let me give you another example. Now let's move to the state of Alabama. After its decision to ban women from wearing a hijab for driver's license photos triggered a backlash among American Muslims, the state of Alabama backtracked on the measure Friday, February 20th. Muslim women had appealed to Alabama state officials to reconsider the ban in January while the Washington-based Council on American Islamic Relations, or CARE, issued an alert against the measure. I know we're sitting here right now in Sarasota, Florida, and we have no clue what even the law in Florida said about hijab and driver lesson. Do you know that? There are three states so far in America, that's Florida and Alabama and New Jersey, allow Muslim women to wear the hijab in their driver license. As we see here, that's a true picture of Florida. Here is New Jersey and Alabama. By the way, if you look with me at the one in New Jersey, the name is Fatma. Fatma is a female name. Oh, here it is. The sex is a female. What is her eyes colors? Hidden. Soon, soon, they're going to change the driver license in America and they will remove the male or female and they will remove the color of the eye and they remove what, he maybe don't even have to have a picture anymore. Sound like a joke. She's a tall lady. Sound like a joke, isn't it? This is the reality of what's coming to America. I don't understand which one of you feel comfortable to drive a car next to that lady here, if, that, if she is a lady. No. Yeah. She could be a Muhammad, or Ali, or Mustafa. 
Will you cash her a check if she come to your bank tomorrow with this ID to cash a check? No. Will you? Why not? I mean, if you ask, do you have an ID, ma'am? Yes. I, as a matter of fact, what if she come with the same blue cover? You see, that system work, that system work in Saudi Arabia. Why? Because in Saudi Arabia, she will not drive. She does not need a driver's license. Wait a minute, wait, wait. Brother Yusama, they changed the laws in Saudi Arabia. After Mr. Trump went uh, talk with him, now they allow women to drive a car. But they didn't tell you there is another word that is called if. They will allow women to drive a car and they will give her a driver's license if her husband allow it. If her father allowed it. And good luck to get a father or a husband in Saudi Arabia, especially the husband who loves her wife so much, who only have three more like her in the same house, and have 20, 30 American and European beautiful girls to enjoy sexually. And so I don't know what woman will have the opportunity to sit on a wheel and not run out of Saudi Arabia. That's the reason why, the reason number one why they will not allow them to drive a vehicle there. But this is nonsense. Now, the media in America will not tell you about the British teacher who were cut to pieces in a bathroom in the country of Kuwait, cut to pieces in a bathroom in a country of Kuwait, when a man dressed like that went after her in the bathroom. The media in America will not tell you that. That is not just dangerous. If you think about having a borders in America to protect us from having Muslims, I think that is more important than having a border. I would like to have the border open. At least some of them, if we try to catch them, can run out. But having this in America, that is greater danger than a border or not in our country. All Sharia is based upon dividing all actions into <clears throat> forbidden, haram, and permitted, halal. No kidding. Everything in Islam is haram and halal. Like, for example, it is haram for you ladies to sit in front of me right now without covering your face and your head. It is haram for you lady to sit next to your husbands. Because man and woman should not sit together. It is haram for, and, and I say, going, it is haram, I mean, I don't have time. It's haram for a lady to put any one hair out of her face. Muhammad wants them to look ugly if they have a mustache or a beard because that will force them to cover themselves in a hijab. No kidding. There's so much haram and halal. We're not going to get to it right now. Let's move on. The most complete, concise source book for Sharia, Islamic law, is Amdat al-Salik, or Reliance of the Traveler, compiled by Ahmad ibn Nikib al-Misri. This classic manual of Islamic sacred law was translated into English by Nahamim Keller in 1991. It covers legalities and theology. The Sharia is organized in an outline form and is referenced by divisions, sections, and subsections. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I saw the gentleman in the interface meeting in Minnesota said, uh, show me Sharia law book. If you have one, please, please bring it to me. I want to see it. Yes, indeed, we got it, my friend, since 1991. As a matter of fact, you can download that book for free. Or actually, now they're changing the rules. You download a portion of it for free. It's over a thousand pages. So you can download a couple hundred pages or so for free. Because a lot of people start downloading it. Now, here's a book. It's called Ahmed al Salik. Realize of the Traveler. You can download a couple hundred pages of it. Believe me, if you read just 50 pages, you'll see how dangerous it is to have a Muslim who will utter the word Sharia 
inside our borders. If a Muslim says Sharia and he likes Sharia or she loves to live by Sharia, they should be immediately. That was the, this is the best vetting system to save America from those Muslims who live in America. You ask him, do you believe in Sharia? Yep, all right, tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, you're out of here. Where do you like to go? Saudi Arabia? Oh, they said no. They will not have you. Where do you like to go? I think there's no better place than go home where you come from. If we understand what in that book, is what this book teaches, it will shock your brain. Literally, it will give you like a heart attack or a stroke. One of the two. Let me, so far we have not mentioned anything about Sharia. And we don't have time to cover Sharia. But I'm going to give you just one, one or two examples from that book to understand why do I say that it is illegal for Muslims to breathe air in America if they believe in Sharia. Let me give you some example and we'll see how much time do we have, Brother Charlie? Uh, got 15 minutes. Oh, 15 minutes. Oh, praise God. No, we can give you plenty of examples. I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw it's going to be 11 o'clock. 11 10. You are my special friend. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I mean it this time. <laughs> okay, let's see an example about, uh, example from the rules of Sharia or the laws of uh, uh, written in the Muslim belief in Sharia. For example, talking about apostasy from Islam. The word apostasy is to leave. You're a Muslim, born from a Muslim daddy, and that's why you're a Muslim. Or you're a man who says the shahada one time in the Arabic language. You said, there is no God except Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. You say this one time in Arabic. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu an Muhammad sallallahu You're a Muslim. By the way, our Obama said the shahada a few hundred times, if not thousands of times. And he was born from Hussein. So by Sharia, Obama is a Muslim. I love it how people argue with me. Oh, he's a Christian. I say, yeah. So is you. Huh? I don't think you're a Christian because you cannot say Obama is a Christian when you are not a Christian yourself. And I love it. Atheists, agnostics, uh, liberals, they always fight Obama is a Christian. I have never seen one true Christian who say Obama is a Christian. How in the world, if you are not a Christian yourself, how in the world you know that man is a Christian or not? Anyway, so let's see what is a punishment According to Sharia, for a Muslim man or woman who decided to leave Islam. Apostasy from Islam. Leaving Islam is the ugliest form of unbelief and the worst. When a person who has reached puberty and is sane voluntarily apostates from Islam, he deserves to be killed. Does this fit with our constitution? Does this fit with our way of life in America? I'm a Baptist. You know what? I choose to become a Catholic. I wonder how many Baptist churches would send a couple of deacons with a gun to hunt me down. You know what? I come to this church here and love this group here, and I choose not to become a Christian at all. I choose not to. I, I'm, 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 from now on, I'm going to be an atheist. How many of you are going to hunt me down and kill me? This is the beauty of America, freedom of religion. And sadly, the Americans are abusing it to the point that they would bring the destruction of America to America, which is Islam, because they use the word freedom of religion. But Islam itself does not allow freedom of religion. There is no freedom of religion in Islam. You leave Islam, you're dead. Well, that's not actually what is written here. Yeah, really? Well, you misunderstand what the guy said. No, I know it very well. You know why I know it very well? Not because I read it in the Alliance of the Traveler in 8.0. No, no, no. I read it in the Quran, the source of Sharia. I read it in the Hadith, the saying of Muhammad, the source of Sharia. You see, if it is in the Quran, it is Sharia. If it's not, it's not Sharia. 
If it is in the hadith, the saying of Muhammad, it is sharia. If not, it's not sharia. If Muhammad did practice it, it is sharia. If not, it's not sharia. I don't care what this written, what's written in this book here. So I'm going to give you the example. First in the Quran. Quran chapter 6 verse 151, which by the way is repeated in 1733 and 2568. When Allah repeats a verse in the Quran three times, maybe, just maybe, it's an important verse. Okay? What did Allah say there? Here. And do not kill the soul which Allah forbids except with a just cause. Do you know if our legislators can understand that verse alone, it will make it illegal for Muslims to live in America. Mm. Why? There are two souls in Islam. The Muslim soul and the infidel soul. The Muslim soul, it is forbidden from being killed. But, guess what? Every non-Muslim soul is lawful to be killed. Hello America. Yeah. Bring more few Muslims to Sarasota County. Mm. Build a couple more mosques here. Because the day is coming, as we're going to see in our next session, which is part two. That's exactly what's coming to America. The death of your children and your grandchildren, even in Sarasota County. Why? Because of Sharia. If you allow Muslims to continue to come to take over this country. So you don't kill the Muslim soul except for a just cause. The Muslims have to do something really, really, really stupid. And because they have done that something which is stupid, then Muslims have the right to kill them. Who? The Muslims. As a matter of fact, Muhammad gave us exactly what are these three things. If a Muslim will ever do, he or she must be put to death. Here, what is written in the hadith. That is Sahih Bukhari, which is the correct hadith of Bukhari, volume 9, hadith number 17. And by the way, it's not just Bukhari. Every Muslim uh, collectors of hadith repeated that hadith, and every Muslim believer believe in that hadith. Here's what Muhammad said about killing those of the Muslim soul. Muhammad said, the blood of a Muslim cannot be shed except in three cases, for murder, adultery, and the one who becomes an apostate or leaves Islam. You commit murder, killing a Muslim soul, because remember, killing non-Muslim soul is okay. You must be put to death. You commit adultery, you must be put to death. And the third one is, which we're talking about here in our study, apostating from Islam. Leaving Islam, you're dead. Can you imagine with me? Islam is growing in America because it's a religion of freedom. And because you use our freedom of religion. No. It is anti-freedom of religion. Now, I'm going to ask a question. What do you think is a punishment for the Muslim men or women who will kill their children or their grandchildren for leaving Islam? Well, if the Sharia said, you leave Islam, you must be put to death. What if I kill my daughter or my granddaughter for leaving Islam? What is the punishment? What is the punishment for me to kill your daughters or your son for not accepting Islam as an infidel? Still none. But you see, you're making up from your own head. I need the proof. You don't have the proof from the Sharia book, Reliance of the Traveler, Ahmed Salik, I'm sorry, then you are a hate speaker. That's why I always advise people, if you want to fight this fight, the spiritual fight of exposing Islam, don't use your own word. I'm not interested in your opinions. You can keep it for yourself. I need to hear what Allah said. I need to hear what Muhammad said. If it's in Sharia, I want to know it. If it's your personal opinion, please keep it for yourself. Because you make me look ugly. They make me ugly. They call me a hate minister, even in Sarasota. I don't know how many of you have read what Venice Gandali wrote about me a few weeks ago. 
they actually call me a hate minister. We got the article, go online and read. That is the same Venice Gandalier who refused to write my eight verses which I gave to them about the hate of the Quran and the eight verses about the killing in the Quran 16 years ago after September 11. They wrote two articles from Sarasota Muslim Society. There is not one person in the Quran teach hate. The following weeks, there is not one person in the Quran teach killing. So I respond to this two article by sending to them 40 some verses from the Quran which teach hate and killing. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and they never print them. So I called the editor. She said, well, you know, they're too long. We only limited to 600 words. I said, wow. You could not run them in two articles. You know what? Let me fix this problem. So I shortened them to eight verses and eight verses. And guess what? It's been 16 years, 17 years. I'm still waiting. But immediately, when some wacko liberal organization called me a hate minister, they did not write 600 words. They actually have the front page and the back page. The the liberals have no limited how many pages can we write to to smear you and make you look ugly. But if you're telling me one verse about Allah in the Quran or or one statement of Muhammad in the Hadith to make Muslims look bad, we have no room for it. God help us. Here's what Muhammad said. You can kill a Muslim if they leave Islam. And Allah said, kill a Muslim if he leave Islam. And here is the punishment for those who kill the infidels or kill the Muslims because they left Islam. The following are not subject to retaliation. A Muslim for killing a non-Muslim, a father or mother or their fathers and mothers for killing their offspring or offspring's offspring. See, I grew up in Egypt. I lived that. You have no clue what's coming to your country. In Egypt, we have Christians are killed almost every day. I mean, we don't have a week we don't bury some Christian man or woman because they were killed by some Muslim men. As a matter of fact, whenever a Muslim becomes a Christian in Egypt, they kill them. If they can capture, if the government captures them first, they go in prison for a long time. For a long time. They don't go out. And the reason they will keep them in prison because we're protecting them, which is true. Because if they go out in the street, guess who's going to kill them? Their own family. But... In all those who have been killed, the Christian who have been burned or have been, uh, you know, poisoned or have been killed with guns or killed with, with, with whatever, whatever, with knives, all those Muslims who killed Christians, and we, sometimes we have them in large number, like in Kush, they actually beheaded 27 men in one afternoon. And we buried them all together, by the way, in one afternoon. We waited in the trial for almost seven years to take over, take place. And in the end of the trial, they could not find one Muslim who committed the murder, the savage beheading of the 27 Christian Coptics on that village. So somehow they disappeared. Seven years trial, and not one Muslim guilty. And even when they found somebody who said, yes, I killed him. Oh, they would give him life in prison. Oh, three years later, he's no longer in prison. And where is that? We don't know. They don't, in Egypt, until today, they don't kill a Muslim for killing a Christian. It is illegal to kill a Muslim for killing a Christian. So what happened if a Christian killed a Muslim? He's dead. Not in like in America, 20 years later. It's actually found him guilty. Within a few days, he hangs him from the rope, and it's over. So if a Muslim kill a non-Muslim, there is no retaliation. And if a grandpa or a grandma, as you see here, or a father or a mother kills their own daughters or their sons, and they stand up in a court of law, Sharia court, uh, 
system and the gentleman who is a Muslim guy is, is like a sheikh you're going to see a video in it next session about it to learn a little bit more about that and he will ask the question uh, did you kill your grandson or granddaughter yes your honor uh, why did you kill them well, she committed adultery, or she became a Christian. Oh, he started going to church, read the Bible. I found out he became a Christian. Oh, thank you so much. You can go home. Oh. America, this is the reality of the end of the story of Sharia. Right now, they don't want that. Right now, they're only asking for the early stages of Sharia. Like, I want to divorce my wife. I don't want to go in your system of America here, hire a lawyer and and uh, and ten thousand dollars and all. No, 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 no. In Islam, we have Sharia according to the Quran, uh, Quran chapter two. Uh, Allah said, "You just look in her face and said you're divorced." How how hard it is? And we Muslim like that, and we Muslim believe in that. We don't want to fight. You guys, you want to go to court and fight and take years to get rid of your wife and lose another 10, 20 grand. That's up to you. But for us Muslims, between us, among each other, we like to have Sharia and assembly. I look at my wife's face and see her divorce, and it's over. I mean, what she, which one is easiest? Some of American ladies would love to have that, but they don't understand. They're stupid because only a man in Sharia can divorce his wife. She cannot divorce him. But that's not what they teach him in America. Oh, a woman can divorce her husband. Uh, where? In America. Why? Because we have the laws in America allow women to divorce her husband. What happened to the Bridge TV ministry? It's a big Muslim ministry in New York or New Jersey. I don't know which one now. One of the two. New Jersey. New Jersey. And uh, that lady actually filed a paper to divorce her husband. They, they actually run this TV for seven years after September 11. And they talk about the love of Islam, the peace of Islam, the equal right between man, woman, Islam, blah, 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 Islam, Islam. And somehow she decided to divorce him. He actually beheaded her in her office in the studio in New Jersey. And Fox News talked about it for, I think, eight seconds or nine seconds, something like that. It was not 10 seconds. Because Prince Al-Walid will not be very happy. It's amazing. Saudi Arabia can put him in prison, but we cannot make him unhappy in America. There's a problem in America. We're ignorant of Islam, we're ignorant of Sharia, and we're ignorant of what Muslims are doing in America. And sadly, the liberals will do everything they can to bring few millions of Muslims to America. Perhaps someday they can practice full Sharia in America, which means the death of your children and your grandchildren, and they will not be punished for it, and they can literally kill their own if they ever leave Islam. The law goes on in great detail about what acts entail leaving Islam. This includes being sarcastic about Allah's name or reviling Allah or his messenger. That's exactly what I do. That's what I do for a living. I make fun of Allah's name. And I say, if you open my Quran, our translation of the Quran on page one, before you read verse one of chapter one, it says, Muslim worship Allah, the God of this world, who is Satan. Who, is, who describe himself in the Quran I give you the verses that he is the best deceiver who lead people astray who desire to fill people to fill hell with people that is Allah so for me to say Allah is Satan that means I am equal to those who leave Islam that's why the issue decree fatwa of my death and I say Muhammad is a child molester a sex offender prophet pretender a womanizer an adulterer, and a thief, and a thug, and a terrorist, 
and a wicked evil man in every sin you can find in any book. He lived and he practiced and he's ordering the Muslim people to live by and practice. And why do I say that? It's because I hate Muslim people and I hate Muhammad. No, no, no. That's what the liberal media tried to to paint me to the rest of the Americans because I just read the Quran. I just study the hadith. I know Islam in and out much better today, sadly, than my Bible. I almost forget the verses of the Bible now. I have to remember what the Bible said, and I have to go look and search for it. I used to know the Bible good, and knew the Quran halfway. Now I know the Quran so good, now I forget the Bible. I think my brain is limited. I have to carry one of the two. So pray for me that God will keep my mind on the scripture, the Holy Bible, the word of God, that I will not get weaker in my Christian knowledge, and Christian walk, when it gets sucked into this, foolishness of Islam. So, uh, you make fun of Allah or uh, make fun of his messenger Muhammad, you are literally equal to those who apostate and leave Islam. And let me close with this. Do we have time for it? Yeah, go ahead. Alright. This is the last video I'll share with you today about the blaspheming law in America. And Muslim blasphemy laws call for the death of infidels who insult the Prophet Muhammad. My next guests say even many highly educated American Muslims believe that criticism of Islam should not be permitted under the First Amendment. Act for America founder Rajiv Gabriel and Center for Security Policy President Frank Gaffney join me now. All right, good evening to the both of you. Brigitte, I'll start with you. You say that large numbers of American Muslims support Sharia blasphemy laws. How does one determine that this is actually true? Uh, Wenzel Strategies uh, did polling data uh, and uh, asked highly educated American Muslims. We're talking Harvard graduates, Columbia, uh, very well accomplished, financially successful. Uh, We're not talking about Somali taxi drivers who can barely speak English driving taxis in New York City. And these highly intellectual and educated Americans said that 58% of them do not believe that uh, criticizing Islam or the Prophet should be protected under the First Amendment. Uh, about 45% of them said it should be uh, uh, criminalized. And 12% of them believe that actually people should be killed for if they would say anything bad about the prophet. Uh, and these are highly educated Americans here on American streets. This is not some radicals in Pakistan. If I can add one thing, Judge, uh, the Assembly of uh, Muslim American uh, Jurists, uh, AMJA, also, which is a very respectable organization in the United States, uh, a very respected, they are very influential, they, uh, they sit on university boards, uh, Islamic mosques, imams, etc. They sanction the killing of any infidel who uh, commits blasphemy against Islam. And these are the Assembly of American Muslim Jurists. I mean, it, it, this is how mainstream it is here in America. Well, you know, when, when you talk about the, this, this thinking, I mean, you know, you've got these blasphemy laws uh, and the Sharia, uh, and now we're hearing about these no-go zones in Europe uh, and Sharia courts in Europe. Uh, is that a reality? I mean, are there as many as 700 of them, Frank? Are you familiar with this? Yeah, there are. Uh, 751, I think, is the latest count in France alone. Um, these are areas in which the authorities dare not go because basically it's too dangerous for them. These are areas that are ruled effectively by Sharia. And the question is, are we on a different trajectory as far as these folks? The Muslim Brotherhood is the prime mover behind it. I would suggest to you that it's not the case. We've done a booklet uh, just recently on Sharia being introduced into our courts. It's available for free at securefreedom.org. 
I encourage people to look at it because just as Brigitte says, it talks about this Amja organization as a prime mover behind trying to get Sharia inculcated into our court systems as the Brotherhood is trying to do really all of our civil society institutions for the express purpose of destroying Western civilization from within. That's a quote from them. And that's exactly what is the ultimate goal of Muslims bringing Sharia to America. It is literally to destroy America. Mm-hmm. And I hope and I pray that uh, you will uh, join us again in the next uh, session where we'll be talking about what's more about Sharia. I'm going to dig deep a little bit more in Sharia. Perhaps this will uh, enlighten you and those who watch us online. Uh, I hope and I pray that you share this video with others because it's time for us to learn the truth. The Bible is telling us in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And as long as the American people do not know what is Sharia and what is in Sharia, for sure, Muslim will continue to march to take over our court system, our life. Literally, it will be over for America. Thank you so much. God bless you. Appreciate you. Talk to you later. Take away. Take away. Thank you. We got to have a quick prayer with her brother, and uh, uh, just to ask the Lord to protect him. Are you still alive? Amen. Okay, we prayed for well, him last year, and he made it. It's back. still so working. We'll, it's still we'll, working. We'll, we'll hope that it happens the same this year. Heavenly Amen. Father, we thank you so much for our brother, and we would certainly pray for him and uh, for his wayward son Caleb, and we would pray that uh, he would have uh, returned to you mm. and to your principles and yes. the guiding principles of Scripture that uh, he can lead his life by, and we certainly pray for. Uh, Usama and his wife Vicky that that will be the case and we pray for protection for them and not just protection but that a way would be opened for them every step that they take so that they can defeat the enemy as they go and prosper on the way and we thank you Lord that he's here and we pray that uh, many will come back on the 14th of December in the evening and uh, attend that as well so they can learn more about what's going on here And Lord, just please do protect them, keep them, and guide them all the days of their life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right.